Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Amen. 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 Who's glad they're in church today? About half of you. All right. I'll preach to that half. Come on, you excited to be in church today? Hey, I want to just, uh, for all of you that are joining us for the first time, um, or maybe you've never have met those people that we just honored, um, I just want to say thank you as a church for allowing us to do that. Um, you know, here at Canvas Church, we're not about putting on a show on Sunday morning. Uh, we're just doing what God's leading us to do, and sometimes that is honoring uh, some students that have graduated, and so, uh, so proud of them. Uh, you know, I learned a lot actually this last week about honoring uh, people's accomplishments and, uh, and what they've done in their life. Um, so I want to say thank you to you, church, for all your prayers and cards and thoughts that you've sent out to me and my family as uh, about three weeks ago now, I lost my brother tragically uh, up in Washington. And he was, uh, he was a law enforcement agent. And uh, he was a very well-known uh, law enforcement agent. Um, and so the mayor was actually at his uh, memorial service uh, the governor sent a letter. I mean, it was just incredible um, to see the, the life of my brother honored in the way that it was. Um, but here's what I walked away with, too, is that, you know, as, uh, as a church and as people, we need to honor people's accomplishments more. And so I'm so proud of these, uh, these young people uh, for all that they did going through this class. And, uh, and so you're going to see that over the next couple of weeks as we honor more people. Um, honoring uh, our high school graduates, honoring other college graduates, honoring our ministry team. We have an incredible ministry team here. And uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, as you're sitting through that, you're like, I don't know who these kids are, and I don't know anything about E4 Bible College, and I don't even want to be a part of a college. I hope you could walk away with a sense of this this morning that um, we, we enjoy honoring people here at Canvas Church. And uh, we believe that it's a Christ-like thing to do. And so... Um, but again, thank you so much for the last couple of weeks, for your prayers. I uh, really do appreciate them. For those of you that signed up uh, for me and my wife's uh, small group a couple weeks ago, we did not forget about you. Uh, we're going to get that going, and it's going to be awesome. And so if you haven't signed up for a small group yet, I uh, would appreciate it if you would do that and just um, get plugged in and uh, be a part of the community here at Canvas Church. Uh, grab your Bibles and go with me to the book of Acts. Um, we are talking around the idea of revival here at Canvas Church. And it's not just a sermon topic, it's not just a sermon series. If you want notes, shoot your hand in the air. We got paper notes for you. You can get some of those paper notes. Uh, you can also do the digital ones. They're coming through and handing those out right now. Um, but it's not just a topic here. It's not just a series that we're kind of walking through. Um, this is something God put on, our, on, the, on the heart of the leadership here at Canvas Church, um, that coming out of the season that we have over the last 18 months, that we believe that um, God does not allow anything to be wasted, but that God has been working, God has been moving, God has been stirring the heart of his church, um, and that revival is here. Revival's now. And uh, that this is not just a series, but the reason we jumped into it is because we believe it is what God is doing. And so because of that, um, I was led to look at one of the oldest and very first revivals uh, that we know about in history, and that was found in the book of Acts. And so this revival series has literally turned into a study in the book of Acts. But what are we talking about uh, as we talk about revival? Here's what we're talking about. We're talking about that God is turning the hearts of his people, obviously back to himself, but also back to um, the love of the word. Come on, we're going to do that today, get in the word together. Um, hopefully not just on a Sunday, but hopefully do that throughout the week. A love for worship, community, 
and walking in his ways. And so as we're talking about revival, um, we're not talking about, uh, you know, something that maybe we've seen in history where thousands of people gather, although that can be a result of revival. Uh, we're not going to be setting up any tents, at least I don't think we are, in the parking lot. Uh, we're not going to be holding weekly meetings, at least maybe we will, I don't know. Uh, we're not, you know, uh, every night of the week. That might happen. I don't know. Those are results of revival. But what we're talking about revival, we're talking about the heart of the church. Not yet the heart of, of all humanity, not the heart of the culture. Um, that, that's, that's something that is an overflow of revival. But we're talking about the heart of those that say they love Jesus, um, that, they lo- that really our hearts are fully turned back towards him. And man, we have this love and appreciation for the word. Do you love the word this morning? Um, that we have this love and appreciation for these moments of worship. Come on, was that not great this morning as we worship together? Um, that we have this love and appreciation for the, for the church community, that we're, we're there growing with one another. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so we, as, as we're together, sharpen and challenge and refine one another. And, uh, and so that, that's what we're talking about when we talk about revival. But through that, what we'll see is we'll probably see some of the results of revival as we go uh, through the book of Acts as well. Uh, now, the last couple of weeks, due to what uh, we were challenged with, um, Pastor Steve preached two weeks ago and did an amazing message. If you missed it, you got to check it out. Um, talking about what now? Okay, so, so Christ died for our sins, and he was buried, and, man, he rose, and, man, for 40 days, man, he walked with people. And, and, what, and then he ascended into heaven. What now? And he talked about, man, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to go back into in a couple weeks, but talked about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, found in Acts chapter 2. And uh, what took place? Well, Peter gets up and preaches a great message. We're going to read some of that today. And talked about repentance and water baptism and turning from dead works and, and those types of things. And then last week, how many of you guys were here from Miguel's message last week? Um, how many guys? How many guys learned for the first time how funny Miguel really is, right? And so he talked about being a weirdo. I don't know. Um, and that will make sense to you if you watch the message. But uh, great message last week. But I want to go back into chapter two today of, of the book of Acts as we continue our thought around revival. And I want to read to you um, uh, some pretty lengthy portions of scripture. Uh, why? Because we have a love for the Word of God here at Canvas Church. And I believe it's the word of God that transforms and changes people's lives. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 2. We're going to pick it up in verse 14. Um, What has taken place so far in Acts chapter 2? Outpouring of the Holy Spirit. uh, Pretty incredible story. Uh, They were waiting for the promise, uh, waiting for the gift that Jesus told them to wait for. And so there's something like 120 gathered together in a a room. And uh, who knows what they're doing. They might be praying. They might be worshiping. They might be sharing stories with one another. But they're waiting. And the Holy Spirit shows up. And uh, man, it looks like little, you know, little campfires on each and everyone's head. Pretty crazy. Um, But the result of that, when the Holy Spirit comes and is poured out, uh, people are coming together and asking, what in the world's going on? What is happening right now? How, what, what, what is this language they were, they're speaking in? And how are we hearing all of them speak in our own language? Because the Bible says every nation under the sun is represented in this moment, meaning every language was represented in this, in this place, in this, and, and they were hearing them speak in their own language. Well, in two weeks, not next week, uh, but the week after that, we're going to go back in and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But this is what's happening, and so Peter now hears the conversations that are taking place. Uh, he hears the people questioning what's going on, and so Peter steps forward, verse 14. And it says, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully. All you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. 
These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And so then he goes back in and talks about what the prophet Joel says, verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my, my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord, uh, the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many guys thankful for that verse right there? Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 22, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his, prepa and his prepared plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of the lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and killed him. How would you like to be sitting in that message? He just called them murderers. Nailed him to the cross, he killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. So revival is all about people falling back in love with God's word. That was a powerful portion of scripture I just read. I'm gonna read that last part again. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grasp. Amen. Amen. King David said this about him. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts its praises. My body rests in hope. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. And we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, has, uh, as he promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out um, uh, upon us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, there it is again, to be both Lord and Messiah. Verse 37, I want you to catch this. Peter's words pierced their hearts. I want you to highlight that in your mind. You can highlight in your Bible if you want. Peter's words, his preaching, his message, the truth, pierced their hearts. And they said to him, and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Some translations say, 
What do we to do? Peter replied, there is something you need to do. Each of you must we need to do to be saved. Here it is, man, this amazing message talking about how they all repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of murder Jesus. And they're pierced to the hearts. So much of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so that they know that change needs to take place. And they ask, what do we need, Spirit? The promises to you, to your children, and to those far away. Amen. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, much like your pastor. Okay, I don't. I'll preach really short. Who'll give me five minutes? Just raise your hand. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, all right. You still fall for it. Then continue, continue preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. They were pierced to the hearts, pierced to the hearts, and said, what do we need to do? I wanna talk to you for the next few moments about accepting versus deflecting. God, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, it's powerful. Lord, it's amazing. God, I pray that you would take, Lord, this passage, God, maybe just a few ideas from the text, and God, you would use them today to speak life into each and every one of us. God, you'd use them to encourage us, to equip us, God, to empower us, uh, but also to challenge us in areas that we need to be challenged. God, I pray you'd help me now in this uh, time that I have, create an environment for people to encounter your son Jesus, know your incredible love, and understand the amazing plan that you have for their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Uh, about six, uh, six years ago, uh, we, we faced a, a difficult and challenging season as a church. Not like the last 18 months wasn't challenging. Uh, but uh, we faced this challenging season uh, as a church. And um, we had a pastor on staff um, that kind of went rogue and, um, and just was not, uh, just, just didn't want to be there anymore. Didn't want to be at the church, uh, questioning where, what he believed, questioning uh, all sorts of things. And in my attempt to uh, salvage a relationship and, and, uh, and, and hopefully steer him in the right direction, I kept working with him. Uh, he talked to us like in July, and he wasn't gone until January. And this whole entire time, I was just trying to work with him. I was meeting with him. I was engaging him in conversations and pointing him to the word of God and praying with him and, and just, just tr trying to do my best um, that I could. And it was during this time, uh, unbeknownst to me, that uh, he was continuing to carry a chip on his shoulder and, and talk with other people in the church and, and really begin to, to poison them with his words and his thoughts and his ideas. And so when it came time uh, to fully release him, um, uh, several people went with him. And it became this devastating moment for me as a pastor, as a leader. Has anybody ever lost a friend before? Just like they just let, exited your world, right? Because um, it wasn't just that he was a pastor on staff, he was a friend, and so it was a really weird season. And I'll never forget as this season unfolded, it was towards the end, I, as we released him and I saw other people go, I'll be honest with you, I got a little bit bitter. Anybody ever been bitter before? Pastors get bitter too. And I got a little bit bitter, and I got a little bit like, man, this is, this is ridiculous. What's wrong? Like, what's wrong with this guy? And I, I found myself uh, complaining constantly, but my complaining didn't, wasn't just directed there. It's like anything that happened in the church at that point, I, I kind of blamed it on this one moment. Anybody ever done that before? 
Like I just like, well, this is the reason why we're now dealing with this, and, and he's the reason why we're dealing with this, and he's the reason why this is happening. And I'll never forget, um, Pastor Tony and Cheryl Ashmore came into town. They were here about a month ago with us. Uh, they're on the board here at, at uh, Canvas Church, and man, just phenomenal, man. They love me and my wife. They love Canvas Church, and, and, and he's my go-to. He's my pastor. And I remember they were in town and I was having a conversation with him and, and he's, just a, he's just a great pastor and real spiritual father and he was just sitting there listening to me complain. And he just sat there and he just like, I don't know, let me go as long as until I probably shut up, which you know, probably took a couple hours, but um, he just sat there and smiled and listened and smiled and listened and I was talking about all these things that were happening and it's because of this one pastor. And I get done and, uh, and he looks at me, and he says, well, you know it's your fault, right? <laughs> Anybody had that moment, right? Where, where maybe a mom or a dad or a mentor or a pastor in your life, you're just pouring out your heart and all this grief and everything you've been through and how challenging it is and all this stuff. And he just said, well, you know it's your fault, right? And I literally, my wife was sitting right there, and she kind of gulped, and I'm like, I'm like looking at him like, wait a second, I used to like you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I liked you like just a second ago. I'm like, well, well, what, what do you mean? He goes, well, you're the pastor of the church, aren't you? I said, yes. He said, well, did you hire him to be a pastor? I said, yes. He said, well, did you give him all the authority and all the stuff that he had in the church? He said, yes. He goes, well, then it's your fault. And he just kind of began to pastor me through that moment. And I began to realize that it was my fault. I began to realize, like, wait a second, like, I, I am the one that licensed him as a pastor. I am the one that gave him the credentials. I am the one that invited him on staff. I am the one that signed his paycheck. I am the one that, that did all these things. I, I, I was responsible for bringing him on. I was responsible for exiting. He goes, he, then my pastor's looking at me. He goes, you're the, you're the one that when you found out about it, you kept him on for six months. I was like, but I was trying to be the good guy. He said, well, no, it's your fault. <laughs> Here's what I realized in that moment. I realized in that moment that that one situation shined a mirror on a problem I had in my life. And that problem is this, is I, I, I tended to deflect things. I, I tended to, I tended to when, when, when the, the, the spotlight was right here and there was a problem and, and the problem really was me and the problem was really something I did, I tended to deflect that. And I tended to have a, a reason why. Well, this is why that happened or, or, or this is, this, it's because of this. And I would, I would def anybody ever done that before? You don't need to raise your hand. Some of you are deflecting right now, like, I don't have that problem, but she does, okay? <laughs> yeah, you're deflecting right now. I, I, I had this, this problem, and it's called deflecting. And here in Acts chapter two, I wanna show us something because I believe that what Peter does, he not only begins to help them begin to realize through the preaching of the word that, that, that there's, a, there's an issue in their hearts, but by the way he deals with it, he deals with a root issue that we're gonna look at in just a moment. And the root issue is we've gotta be able to accept responsibility for what we've done in order to find healing and forgiveness and a path forward. We have to come to this place. See, here's what happens, and it's so powerful. And, and, and it needs to happen today in our culture that, that Peter takes this moment and when he gets up and he preaches the word, he does not sugarcoat things. He does not like, he does not like take the moment to say, hey, let me give you a few good ideas of how you can have a great marriage. I know I've harped on that one before. I think the Bible is full of principles of how you can have a great marriage. 
He doesn't take the opportunity to say, hey, here's how you can be a champion in life. How many of you guys wanna be a champion in life? I wanna be a champion in life. And I think the Bible's full of principles that as we apply, man, we can become champions in life. But Peter takes this opportunity to give them the truth and expose the error and the wickedness and the sin that's in their life. He tells them the truth. Listen, if, if you know one thing about me, I'm a truth guy. And, and, and some people mistake it for a lack of grace. Maybe it is, I don't know. I believe in grace, but I'm a truth guy. Man, things are either black or white. There's really no in between. And I know some of you are already thinking, well, pastor, that's not actually true. I know context adds a lot, but I'm a truth guy. Listen to me, I don't do weird and I don't do complicated. I just don't. Like if things start to get weird, that's my, that's my blinkers on, I'm exiting. I, I just, I don't, I don't do complicated, I don't do weird. Things are, things are truth, I'm a truth guy. And here Peter gets up and he preaches the truth. And here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, it's not until the truth comes that our hearts can be truly transformed. It's not until the truth comes. And now let me, let me just break this down in, in maybe a, a, like a lower level. That's in every situation in life. In your dealings in relationship, have you ever dealt in a relationship before where, man, that doesn't sound quite right? I don't think they're telling the truth, but then all of a sudden truth comes and, oh wait, now there's clarity. Isn't that why the Bible says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So they're pierced to the heart so much so that they know that change needs to take place. And, and it compels them to ask this question. There's something going on here. And they ask, what do we need to do to be saved? What do we need to do? Here's the moment that they're accepting responsibility because the truth was shared. What do we need to do? And Peter takes that opportunity and says, gotcha. You're right, you do need to do something. And here's what it is. You need to repent, you need to turn to God. You need to be baptized. Accepting responsibility, here's the thing, accepting responsibility, uh, not just when we are, have done something wrong, but here's what we need to do. We need to accept what's going on even when we've been wronged. Let me clarify, I'm not saying we accept responsibility. I'm saying that we need to accept what's going on. Hey, this is what's happening. This is the truth about the situation. This is what's happening. This, and, and as soon as you identify that, guess what? You can find healing, forgiveness, and a pathway forward. Here's the problem, though. Um, there is a, a massive problem, uh, I believe, in culture and in our church, churches today, and it's called deflecting. Let me give you, I, I was a psychology major. Let me just give you the definition of it. Deflecting is a term used in psychology. That means this, you are passing something over to someone else in an attempt to draw the attention away from yourself. It is a psychological defense in which you deflect blame to others. You got that? So I've done something wrong and, and, and someone comes and, and is exposing that and rather than me accepting and saying, yeah, I did that or yeah, that happened and having a conversation, instead I, I pass the blame on. Here's the thing we need to understand. Not only is it, is it a psychology term, it is, it is something found in scripture. Can I take you there today? Let me take you there. 
Go with me to Genesis. That's right, we're going to the very first book of the Bible. Genesis 3, 1 through 13. And here's what we're going to see. In Genesis 3, 1 through 13, we're going to see um, that this has been a problem in humanity since day one. Are you ready? Here we go. Because some of you are like, no, it's not. You're wrong. It's actually my mom's name. Okay. Genesis 3. Here it is. This is Bible. It's not psychology. This is Bible. Genesis 3, verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman. Now, I know we got to pause there for a minute because why is this snake talking? I don't know. But it happened. Did God really say you must not eat of the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Okay, so here's the deal. You know, the, the world's created. God fills it with stuff, creates man, creates woman, Adam and Eve. Says, hey, you can eat from all of the trees here except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just that one. You can eat of everything else. Just don't eat of that one. And this is what the serpent says. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit of the, of the trees in the garden? Verse two, of course you may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the, the, the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God's, God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Verse four, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. Liar. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At the moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool of the evening breeze was blowing, uh, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about the garden. So they hid from the Lord God from the trees, and the Lord, said, uh, Lord called to the man, where are you? Verse 10, he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Here we go. It goes downhill real quick. The man replied, it was a woman you gave me. She gave me the fruit, and I ate it. We are only two and a quarter chapters in to the Bible. And the first sin that happens, disobedience to God's word, and they eat of this tree, and they're confronted with their sin. And what do they do? They deflect. It's not just a man issue. The woman you gave me. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me. That's why I ate it. Did you see a pattern there? What's happening? Here's what's happening. They're not accepting responsibility for their actions. They're not accepting responsibility. They're not accepting the part they, they played. They're not accepting the fact that they're confronted by God himself. 
And they, they, they I, I don't know what, here's what happens. It's human nature to deflect. It's not God nature. It's not Christ nature. It's human nature to deflect. And here they are doing it right here. And listen to me, this has been a problem since the very beginning of time. It's a problem in our culture today. It's a problem in the church today. But listen to me, we will never find a pathway forward and find freedom and find wholeness and find forgiveness and find acceptance and find all those things until we come to the realization that the only thing that separates me from God is my sin, my actions, my deeds, but God gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In order to find forgiveness, in order for there to be true repentance, we're just gonna give you a few things in a minute. In order for there to be true repentance, there's gotta be an acceptance. There's gotta be an acceptance. We can't, can't deflect. Here's the thing. It's at the very origin of sin itself and it's running rampant in our culture. I, I, mean, I mean, just look at the last year, 18 months. No one wants to accept responsibility for anything. I, I mean, to me, the most comical thing is, is when a new president comes on and, and always blames the previous. And what, what would happen? What would happen if one time Someone got, gets, gets elected and say, I would like to just um, accept responsibility for where the country's at and everything we're dealing with right now. And, and, and together we're going to fix this thing. I mean, honestly, how about this? What would happen in your life if you accepted responsibility for what's going on and stopped deflecting everything? See, see, here's the thing. It's, it's at the very root of, of the sin issue. But here's the thing. It infiltrates every area of our life. Right? Like, it's not just about accepting responsibility when I've done wrong. It's, it's about accepting, listen to me. I've heard way too many people working with people, like, like, like blaming parents. Did, did you grow up in a bad environment? Was it difficult? Was it challenging? Yeah. But what if you accepted now where things are at and said, that happened to me, but I'm no longer going to be a victim. I'm going to be a victor. I'm no longer going to succumb to these, these, these issues and these things. I'm going to rise above by the grace of God, and I'm going to move on. Listen to me. Even, let's be honest. Even the things that happen against us, we have the power to remove ourselves from the situation. Here, and here's the thing, if we understand the idea of accepting responsibility, even if the other person doesn't, man, we can view them through a different lens. Because here's what you can do. Listen, I know things, the Bible says, offenses are gonna come. You ever been offended before? None of you? Man, you must go to a really good church and have a great pastor. You ever been offended before? Yeah, here's the deal with offense. The only reason you get offended by them is because you gave them the ability and power to offend you. Whoa, wait a second. What? Um, has anybody ever said anything that's hurt you before? Now, listen, it's, it, it, it's in relationships. It happens, right? Things happen. But here's the deal. 
if we understand, if we can, if we can take a position of, man, I'm going to accept where things are at and we're going to deal with this thing, right? And maybe write down, don't do weird and don't do complicated. Okay. Here's the deal. If we can accept responsibility, what we can do is we can remove the power from somebody else and put the power back where it goes, and that's in Christ Jesus, right? That, that's in him. For example, uh, someone comes and says something to you that's hurtful or harmful. I don't know what that would be, but I'm sure you've experienced it before. In that moment, here's what we need to understand, and here's what we need to accept. People are flawed. People are hurting. Okay? When, when, when somebody says something hurtful to you, here, here's what I've, I've come to realize. It's either because they're hurting themselves, something in their life, um, they're not getting the, you know, the love and appreciation at home maybe. I don't know, whatever it is. There, there's something missing in their life. Or they're jealous about where you're at. And therefore, all of a sudden, so here's the thing. If you can look at it through that lens, is anybody getting anything out of this today? If you can look at it through that lens, here's what you can do. Man, you can say, you know what? Man, I, and to yourself, right? Like, I understand that they're saying this because they're probably jealous or they're hurting themselves. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that position and I can either continue to love them, I can have a conversation with them, or I can just remove them from my life. Not physically, I'm not talking about killing anybody, all right? Like, I saw somebody be like, oh, did he just, no. Just wanna clarify, don't wanna be on the five o'clock news, all right? You can remove yourself, right? But, 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 but by continuing to, to not do anything, you are alive. Just like my, my pastor said to me, well, it's your fault. You, you, you gotta accept. What, what if all of us stopped deflecting in relationships, in, in, in job places? See, revival, revival, man, is, is, is again, it's, like, it's, it's this idea, but, but you, you could have revival in your marriage if you stopped deflecting. You could have revival in your parenting. See, here we go, there, there, there's the principles. You could have revival on a job place, you could have revival in your finances if you stopped deflecting. Well, I, you know, the reason I'm poor is because I grew up in a poor home, my parents never taught me about, really, watch a YouTube, come on somebody. How to budget, cook, right? What if we stopped deflecting? Stop deflecting, guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna find healing, you're gonna find freedom, you're gonna find a way forward in your life. I really believe that. I believe that with all my heart. Hmm. Let me just give you a few thoughts here. True healing and forgiveness can come in relationships when you acknowledge and accept where you were wrong or acknowledge and accept the wrong that has been done to you. Bring it back now here to Acts chapter two. We see Genesis chapter three, deflecting, deflecting, deflecting. Here's what I believe was happening in Acts chapter two. Not only were we discovering the pathway forward towards salvation, I believe it was a restoration of what took place in Adam and Eve. It was a conquering of this idea of deflecting. Adam and Eve confronted with their sin, the woman, the serpent. Here, 
Jesus Christ did a great work on the cross, ascends to heaven, first message ever preached. They're confronted with their sin, what happens? Acceptance, pierced to the heart, I need to change. I need to change. Write these things down, repentance, repentance. True repentance involves a change of one's mind and heart about sin. True repentance involves, number one, your mind. This is intellectual. This is an understanding of what I've done wrong. I realize that I've sinned. I realize that my sin is against God. I, I recognize the truth. Like truth is there. I see it. I hear it. And okay, I got it. I, I've been confronted with things before in my life. And, um, and, I, and I weigh that out. And I've, I've, you know, like look at it and be like, that's actually not true. Like I said, I'm a truth guy. And I'm like, that's not true. I, I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way, but that didn't really happen and that's not true. I, I don't really have anything to repent of. But I'm sorry you feel that way. Can we work towards this? But when truth is brought to my life and all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I did that. What happens? I, I, I make a mental decision. I say, you know what? I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Listen to Psalm 51.3. This is David after his great sin with Bathsheba. And he says, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. This is David understanding that his sin was great and he, he had to change his mind. It's a change of mind towards God, towards sin, and towards self. Repentance, number two, it involves your emotions. It involves your emotions. Listen, and, and I'm gonna give you one more, but re true repentance involves all three of these elements. Because uh, repentance from my sin towards God or even my sin towards somebody else. Repentance isn't I, I came to an altar, you know, the front of a building and cried. Repentance isn't that I, I said a magical prayer. That's why Matthew chapter three says I gotta bear fruit worthy of repentance. There's a true life transformation that took place. Uh, rep repentance isn't just some mental ascent. Repentance involves your, your mind, but it also involves your emotions. Deep godly sorrow for sin. Deep godly sorrow for sin. This is where they were at in Acts chapter two. They're, man, I'm pierced, I've got, I gotta change, like something, something's wrong. I was a part of nailing him to the cross. My sins did that, my actions did that, my deeds did that. Well, what do I need to do? And it's true, godly, deep godly sorrow. It's not, it's not sorry for the consequences. Does anybody remember get caught, you know, when you're younger doing something you shouldn't have done? And it wasn't until you got spanked that you're like, oh man, I'm so sad that I did that. No, you're sad that you just got spanked with Mr. Spoon, right? You're sad for the consequence, that's not good. No, this idea of a deep godly sorrow is, man, I've sinned against God and God alone. Psalm 51 verse four. David again, against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. David understood this. There was this emotional part. Lastly, band, you can come back up. Uh, repentance involves your will, your will. You know we're not robots. It's not, this is not just like we come one day and man, there's this whole like mindset that I understand what I've done. Man, there's the emotions. Man, I, I understand that man, I sinned against God. And then we say a prayer and walk out of here. It's not over. Again, that's why it says to bear fruit worthy of repentance. There's got to be this last part, and it's your will, determining by the grace of God not to continue in sin. Determining 
by the grace of God. No, I can't do it on my own. Great news is you don't have to do it on your own. But determining by the grace of God, you know what? I'm gonna walk this thing out. I'm gonna continue to walk in repentance. I'm gonna walk free from sin. Luke 9, 23 through 24, Jesus said this, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What is he saying? Man, you've got to, you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision. It's not just gonna happen because you said a prayer. Every day when I get up, man, I'm gonna choose to follow Jesus. Here's the thing, every one of these principles that I just shared with you, when you get engaged in a relationship with God, repentance, man, salvation comes, and freedom and healing and a pathway forward comes. All of these work in every relationship in your life. I don't know who it is, but I feel like there's some of you in here this morning that, man, you're dealing with a lot of unforgiveness. Like you're just harboring things in your heart. I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you as your pastor, man, for the last, over the last 18 months, that's like one of the number one things God's been working inside of me, is how to forgive, how to forgive. We went away to a conference. They don't, they don't know, they don't really know us and what we've been through and, and uh, the, the prophetic word over us was, you're a good forgiver. It's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Speaking life over us, I didn't even know all the things we had walked through, you're a good forgiver. But I feel like there's some of you in here, you've been harboring unforgiveness. You've been holding on to some stuff, man, some bitterness, some resentment, man, man some, and, and, and it goes back to relationships. It goes back to relationships. You're holding on to some stuff. Listen, you can find freedom today. You can find freedom today, but you've got to accept. You've got to accept. You've got to say, this is where things are at. This is the pathway forward. Don't allow those people to have power in your life anymore. Don't allow those people to have power in your future relationships. There's some of you in here and somebody in here that, that you went through a messy divorce. Man, you, you gotta let go and you gotta find a pathway forward. How's this gonna happen? It's gonna happen by the grace of God, but it's also gonna happen when you begin to accept some things. Stop deflecting your current circumstance and situation on, well, if this hadn't happened and that hadn't happened, if I hadn't gone through this and I haven't gone through that, just, just no, no, embrace. Man, embrace where you're at. This is where it's at. This is what I'm walking through, but by the grace of God, I can move forward. I can move on. I can find healing, I can find, I can find freedom in my life. Because if you don't, it'll impact every relationship in your life. Don't allow, don't allow those things to have power in your life any longer. It's time to find freedom. It's time to find wholeness. It's time to find forgiveness. It's time to move forward. It's time to move on. There's some of you, and I, and I just believe this by the Holy Spirit, that there's some of you here today that literally, you're like me the last 18 months. Man, I'm telling you, like, like, People went COVID crazy. Y'all know what I mean? I don't need to spell that out, do I? They just went COVID weird. But you're, you're, you're holding on to some stuff like I can't believe and I can't believe and I can't believe. Listen, I've seen it impact marriages. I've seen it impact uh, relationships between moms and dads and uh, sons and daughters and, and between moms. I, I've seen it impacting. What do we gotta do? Find a way forward. How do you find a way forward? Stop blaming everything else and just move on by the grace of God, by the grace of God. Just do me a favor, stand to your feet, close your eyes. We bring this service to a close. I told, 
I told Pastor Steve, I was like, I haven't preached in two weeks. So that's not usually a good thing for everybody. Because I tend to preach long. I've got to get out two weeks worth of stuff. But this was my prayer walking in here this morning. It's really one of my prayers every single Sunday, but I'll tell you what, when you when you deal with death. about you, but for me, especially when it's sudden, tragic, unexpected, really makes you go back to the drawing board and say, what really matters? What really matters? Like, what matters? Like, what, what really matters? Because all this, this is going to be gone one day. What really matters? So this morning, as I was coming in, I found myself even praying a little more fervently. This is what I was praying. God, help me help people find freedom today. Help me help people find freedom today. I want you to find freedom. I want you to find freedom in Jesus. I want you to find a pathway forward. I want you to let go of those, those things that have you chained, those things that have you just continuing to walk. I mean, listen, man, if you, if you, can't, if you can't see somebody and have positive thoughts or feelings towards them, man, you're still chained. You're still chained. You're still giving up power to them over your life. So do me a favor, just close your eyes for a moment. I want to ask this simple question first and foremost. Who needs freedom in their life today? Just lift your hand, lift it up, lift it high. You need freedom. Come on, come on, go. Don't be shy. You need freedom. You need freedom in your life today. Yeah, yeah, he's here to offer it. You need freedom. Thank you. Thank you. I found myself at 4.30 a.m. this morning just lying there just saying, God, I needed this message. And from 4.30 to 5.30, I just prayed and I said, God, I forgive so-and-so. I forgive so-and-so. And God, will you forgive me for treating so-and-so such a way? Oh, freedom. Freedom, there's a pathway forward. Stop deflecting, start accepting. There's freedom, there's freedom, there's freedom, there's freedom, there's freedom. Before I pray for that, you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I don't know Jesus. Well, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You want to find ultimate freedom and ultimate peace in your life, it comes to Christ and Christ alone. And you're here today and you've never met the Jesus that I'm talking about. You've never met the Jesus that said, hey, if you want to come and follow me, you've got to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and come after me. You've never met the Jesus that will come with his grace and his love and his mercy and help you find freedom every eye closed and every head bowed, that's you and you need Jesus in your life today. Can you just shoot your hand in there? I want to pray for you. Anybody at all? Anybody all in this place? Thank you. I see you. Thank you so much. Online, if you're watching right now, or even if you watch this later, um, here's how you can respond to this. Just simply text yes to 858-943-2221 and now we're going to pray with you. But come on, there was somebody that raised their hand in here today that man needs Jesus. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for the 15 or so that raised their hand that need freedom, but then we're going to pray together for the one that said, I need Jesus. Can we do that today? God, we love you and we thank you. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to give us life and that we might have that life more abundantly. God, we thank you that today that we are confronted with a decision. God, first we're confronted with the decision, Lord, of whether or not we're going to accept you into our life. And so I thank you for the young man who raised his hand and said, that's me. But God, we're also confronted with the decision today 
Are we going to continue to deflect things? Are we going to accept things? And so, God, I pray that each and every one of us in this moment, God, would take this word to heart. God, that we would be like those in Acts chapter 2 that said, man, something's got to change. And God, we would accept the responsibility. We would move forward. We would find freedom that only you can offer and you can bring. And so, Lord, right now, come on, you know who you are. God, we let go of these hurts, these offenses. God, we let go of these things right now that have us bound up. And we say let freedom come. Let freedom come in our life, in our mind, in our thought, our will, our emotions, our actions. Holy Spirit, we surrender it over to you. We say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in Jesus' mighty name. Let us pray. Come on with that one that raised their hand. Can you pray with me today, church? Say, Jesus. Come on, everybody together, especially if you raise your hand, say, Jesus, I acknowledge that you're the Son of God and that you died on the cross for my sins. So, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins today. Come on, right now in 20 seconds. Come on, the Holy Spirit is showing you some errors, some things in your life. You just confess it to him right now. Come on, whatever is, se is separating you from him, just confess it. Give it up. Come on, accept responsibility and say, I know this is separating me. This is separating me. This is separating me. Just give it to him right now. Hallelujah. Come on, just 10 more seconds. Whatever it is, just let it come up. Hallelujah. Find freedom today. Find freedom today. Hallelujah. Now just say, Jesus, I love you. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and fill me with your life. Lead me, guide me, direct me. I surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And hey, thanks for coming today. Um, again, I just want to say thank you on, on behalf of myself, my family. Thank you for all the prayers, man, and all the cards. So many cards have been poured in. Thank you so much. I love you, church, and I'm glad to be back. If you need prayer for anything this morning, uh, something we talked about, something you're going through, maybe you raised your hand, you need freedom because you're holding on to some stuff. Some of the pastors are gonna come up right now, small group leaders, and uh, we're gonna pray with you. Uh, if you were the one that raised their hand, and man, you wanna talk with us, we can point you in the right direction, give you a Bible. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, you also can text the word yes uh, to 858-943-2221, and we'll connect with you. God bless, have an amazing week, and sign up for a small group. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.